Thanks for tuning into this episode of FinTech Focus TV, powered by Harrington Star, the global leaders in financial technology recruitment. Head over to the Harrington Star website where you'll be able to find all the latest jobs in financial technology across the globe. You'll also be able to download the latest issue of the Financial Technologist magazine, including the Top 1% Workplace Awards. Finally, if you're looking to grow your team, please get in touch. Enjoy the show. And welcome to another episode of FinTech Focus TV with me, Toby Bout. And today we are in New York City live at the Fix America's Trading Conference. And we've got one of the industry greats here in front of us today. Kevin Houston at Rapid Edition, how are you? I'm very good, thank you. How are you? Thank Absolutely. you for having me on your program. Yeah, well, look, it's great to have you on here. Um, it's been a while and yeah. uh, we've been, I've been wanting to have you in here. We've had Mike on it representing the business for a, lot, for a long, long time. Uh, Rapid Edition's gone through an incredible couple of years, in, in my opinion. Um, you guys are doing some fantastic things uh, and very much in the heart of this sort of fixed community as well, yeah. which is important. No, I, I mean, my involvement with Fix, as you know, goes on since the uh, very origin as I was in the room when uh, we made the decision that Solomon Brothers, Goldman Sachs, Fidelity and Putnam's were going to implement a protocol that Solis and Fidelity had been working on called SBX. But we had to change the name because we didn't think Goldman's would be ready to implement anything <laughs> called the Solomon Brothers Exchange Protocol. <laughs> yeah, and that's where it came from. So I don't actually yeah. know that. So it's like you're the godfather of fixing gin. I'm not. No, I, I, I was there at the meeting. <laughs> I was there. Other, other people had done most of the work. I, I did a lot more around um, the sort of 4.0, 4.2, 4 4.4 framework where we did things like put the fix, develop the fixed repository, which is what. Um, has now been transformed into the orchestra stuff that Hanno's been yeah, talking yeah. about today. Yeah, yeah. Um, and added in all the functionality for program trading. So standing on the shoulders of giants. So standing on the shoulders of giants. <laughs> yes, very much so. So listen, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about what you've been on the panel talking about uh, okay. uh, in a minute as well. But before we do that, Kevin, just get, you know, you've given a little bit of uh, context there. Um, I used the term industry legend, which I think is, uh, is fair earlier on. But tell us a little bit about your background. Tell us a, a little bit about yourself. And then also Rapid Edition, I'll okay. story well, I, I started in um, engineering originally. I worked on, I was sponsored uh, through by Lucas Aerospace through university. Um, I worked on some of the technology that's now part of uh, the hardware that's used for stealth bombers and stealth aircraft. Specifically, alternators that didn't produce sparks and therefore don't generate a radar signal. After doing that, I realized that engineers uh, don't end up in higher senior management in um, our industries in the UK. So I joined Pete Marwick and where well, I trained as an accountant. I then left them and bought a superconducting magnets business out of receivership. I turned that business around and it ended up floated on the Swedish Stock Exchange. And through that, I got to know the guys at Robert Fleming's quite well. Okay. They, after I'd finished that, they asked me would I join them and I agreed that I'd work with them on a retainer. And they asked, mostly looking at areas they were investing in rather than as an integrated part of the technology team. But um, one of them, on one occasion, they said, would I go to New York to look at this project they were thinking of getting involved in that was with 
uh, Goldman Sachs, Solomon Brothers, Putnam, and thing. And hence, I was at that meeting where the name of Fix got che- created. There it starts. There it starts. And there it starts. And I haven't been able to escape uh, the world of Fix ever since. <laughs> well, it's not a bad, a bad uh, captor, is it? Yeah. When you think about it. And I, and I was been saying all the way through this that the genuine sense of community in here when we do it, when we go to London, etc., cetera, yeah. etc. Cetera, I just think it's a, it's, it's a, it's a great community that really. You know, forges that collaboration and helps people solve complex problems together. Yeah. Oh, it's it, so important. It, it is. I mean, one of the pieces of evidence we uh, got when we did the foresight report on to the future of computer-based trading yeah. uh, was the, the they got together a, a, some data set. And they indicated that every every pension saver with a private pension is eight thousand eight thousand pounds better off when they retire as a result of the things that this organisation has done. So, yeah, your mum and my mum are eight grand better off with their pensions. I'll well, we'll take that. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take that. Tell me uh, a little bit about Rapid, Rapid Edition. Okay, so Rapid Editions uh, started out as a fixed engine vendor in 2014. I just finished the UK government's. Um, Foresight report on the future computer-based trading. One of the recommendations we made in there was that opportunities exist for software companies to create a middleware platform that can be used to build the um, sort of trading systems that historically have been the preserve of only for the largest banks. Mm. Um, that edition reached out to me at the time when I was already non-exec chairman and said, Kevin, we need some help on direction and strategy. And lo and behold, because I'm a great believer in recycling and sustainability, <laughs> I took that idea and we recycled it and that became Rapid Edition's uh, strategy. So what we do is we build that middleware platform for people. And as you know, people like Citigroup use that around the world for distributing all of their, for generating and distributing all of their FX price platforms. Um, we've got a lot of other similar sized clients, I just don't, genuinely don't know which ones are out in the public domain, hence I can't we'll say. Be careful about that. I'm hoping, I'm hoping that this gets enough viewers that one of them might see it. If I... <laughs> and, to, and, and, and you know, the, 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 uh, I guess the Rapid Edition story in recent years have been about yeah, organisation so yeah, as the, well. The, right? the Rapid Edition story in recent years has been building out that platform by a series of acquisitions which yeah. we completed then Mike joined us as I think we were about we'd gone from sort of eight people to 30 people at that stage and Mike joined it joined us to run the business day to day allow me to focus on other things strategy business development because I just enjoy talking to people yeah 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 um, I'm prolific at these events yeah and um, also to you know, bring some big company experience with Mike's background of having run uh, a large part of Refinitiv. Yeah. Um, big company experience of how to mature an organisation. Yeah. And we have matured that organisation and you know, that's involved more expansion into different areas just to provide support for our clients on a follow the sudden basis. Yeah. So recently, as I think you uh, were quite helpful to us, uh, we recruited four people in uh, Canada and now have a Canadian office and that's picked up support for our North American clients during you know, their normal business day. Yeah. And then that passes the book on to Auckland where our team in Auckland carry on supporting our Asian clients and then pass the book back to Prague where we support our European clients. It's incredible it's a great story and I love, love hearing it I love seeing it I love seeing where it's going yeah. I think it's very much the sort of you know, start of the journey as much as anything else as well yeah, no, I, I, the scalability is massive yeah, no, I, I remember when we were looking on 
a government report I did for George Osborne on how do we make London more, uh, and I was only one of, one of a number of people on the team, uh, how do we make London more attractive to fintech businesses. One of the pieces of evidence we had was what's the estimated size of annual spend on fintech by banks, insurance companies and so on. And that number was $850 billion a year. Is that right? And if you want to put that into context, that means that fintech, if it was a separate nation state, would be asking for Port Poland to be kicked out so that they could have its seat on the table because it, it would be bigger for the G20. I was going to say that's when $850 billion was a lot of money. money yes. <laughs> and yeah, that was, that was back in 2014. When you think about what that yeah. is now as well. Yeah. It's, it's, it's it would be double that now. I want to talk about it today as well, and uh, you were on panels earlier on. I know you yeah. were uh, waxing lyrical over there as well. I've seen your diagram in front, yeah. in front of us. Tell us a little bit about what you've been speaking yeah, about. So we, we were talking about uh, artificial intelligence, neural networks and all of that, and I was asked to give a sort of bit of a history lesson in artificial intelligence. So well, it all came out, started out with a guy called Rosen. Roseblatt, Rosenblatt, rather like the fintech uh, VC bank yeah, in yeah. London. Same, exact same spelling. Don't know if there's any relation. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he proposed that you could replicate human thinking by taking lots of the sensors in and having a function that made a decision based on that, but then applying different weightings to each of those inputs. And you, if, it, if it got the answer right, the weightings were good. If it got the answer wrong, the weightings were clearly wrong, so you would change the weightings. And that became, that's effectively the genesis of neural networks. And the weighting and training, are, they still have those names. He actually described it as a computer program that can learn by trial and error. And that's kind of what neural nets are. They're learning by trial and error. So I then talked about... Uh, Minsky, I talked a little bit, who was one of the critics of that work, and he introduced the idea of backward propagation into neural networks. Um, we then, I, I talked a little bit, um, slightly amusing story, um, we all have our car number plates regularly scanned. That's actually using neural networks, it's one of the biggest applications of them. So when you go into a parking place, I said one, one of the things you need to be very cognizant of is that you get a good data set to train your neural network on, otherwise it makes mistakes. So with car number plates, uh, neural nets for most countries are trained on eight and nine digit number plates. I drive a car which has a five digit number plate and most of the time when Just I... Just to get away with it all. No, no, no. no. <laughs> and most of the time when I re get to the airport um, it's covered in mosquitoes because I've driven down from Andorra. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. So it's lots of black dots around a five digit number and therefore the neural nets don't recognise it correctly. What we've had to do via sort of health of and, and or telecom and their role in our Andorra, is we've got all the neural nets for Andorran car parks trained on five-digit number plates, and they work perfectly. <laughs> so, in the same way, we need to make sure we've got, you know, and that was one of the things we discussed on the panel, make sure you've got a good high-quality data set yeah. that you train your neural network on. You train it on rubbish data, you'll get rubbish output. Rubbish in, rubbish out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's been a sort of real flow of, uh, of what's been talking about, is about the context of that data, uh, yeah. and, it's, uh, and the quality of it, and actually just you know, work out what sort of data you actually want to be investigating and not just letting it, um, I guess not, not just letting it 
give give you know weight to the assumptions you've already made. Yeah, and I think that's been a sort of real. Yeah, no, that's one. That's with that's one of the sources of bias in your data. If you haven't got a, if you haven't got a, a if you've got a, a historical process that's had it been biased in some way towards a particular outcome, and you feed that data into a neural net, it will just learn to be biased. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In that exact same way. So final question for you. If we were talking about you know, the, the, uh, the panel you're on and your sort of uh, view of the world with, with AI, et cetera, et cetera, that you've, uh, you've scoped out the history lesson you've got through, if you wanted people to leave that session with two or three pearls of wisdom that they can take away and be thinking about back at their desk tomorrow, yeah. what do you think those things should be? Data quality is massively important, so make sure that you're getting the right data. Don't try and be too general and too broad. So think about making sure that your data set isn't contaminated with data from unrelated problems. One of the other speakers on the panel said, you know, we're making sure we train it just on the data from our equity support. We don't want any data from fixed income support. We don't want any data from FX support, because that will just make it, you know, they'll end up sometimes investigating the wrong system on an yeah. unrelated matter. So data quality is important. Think about what you're trying to do and what question you're actually asking the neural network, because you can um, you, you can do, you can make um, quite concise demands of a neural network, or you can make incredibly vague demands of a neural network. If it is concise and precise, you're more likely to get a good answer. And then the final thing is. Don't, I would say do a bit of research into the whole field of neural networks. There are quite a lot of techniques, which means that you can get the same advantages that Google and um, ChatGPT are getting out of their neural networks where they're retraining from, from scratch, often at the top, a cost of $100 million by just for a single training session at a by taking a pre-trained model and retraining it on your domain expertise so effectively breaking it down into this network already talks english on a large language model i now need want it to talk english about say fixed specifications so you retrain it on fixed specifications as the last step yeah yeah and yeah. that that can allow you to make it much more accessible so that training for example the training of ChatGPT4 took months and literally hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah, yeah. You can get a very similar result for a specific domain by retraining overnight on a workstation with a couple of good graphics cards and probably spending $100. And it's amazing about, yeah, as you say, the, sort of the, the cheapness of it, but also the speed. Yeah. And we, we've been talking to a lot of people today about you know, ChatGPT this time last year when we were sat here at the Fix event. Yeah wasn't even really a thing for another yeah. month or so. And then you think about how embedded it is, how much it's been inexorably entwined to what most people yeah. are doing around this room yeah. and beyond. Yeah, and the, the other thing just on ChatGPT specifically, be, be very aware, but if you use the free version of ChatGPT, anything you input it becomes the um, IPR of the company that owns it. So if you put in your code saying, this is my code for an order routing network. Is it good? And it sort of says yes, or it says yes, it's good. Then the next person who right puts it in and it says, write me the code for an order routing network. It can legally just spew up your code. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which would would be a bit of a problem, it's a, it's a problem. If, if your business is selling your IPR. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. Listen, Kevin, so, it's been great having you on no, here today. Great, great Thanks so much for doing it. Cheers. People want to reach out and find a little bit more about you guys. Yeah. What's the best way of doing it? By all means, uh, get in touch via the website, Rapid Edition, or 
no, that's not my business cards. <laughs> or you can talk Wrong to this card. guy who's got one of my business cards. <laughs> we'll no, get him I, I mean, just reach out to myself or Mike at Rapid Edition. Um, uh, you know, in my particular case, if you put my name into Google, you get about the first 10 pages have my email address on it. So it's too late for me to keep that a secret anyway. <laughs> Plastered everywhere. Cheers. Great having you on. Nice Thanks so much for doing you. it. Cheers. Take and care. Thank you all for watching. We'll see you on the next episode of FinTech Focus TV.